Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We welcome you to Edge Church this morning. Ruby Garcia was turning 15 years old, and she and her parents hopped on Facebook to make a video uh, inviting all of her friends and uh, the surrounding community to her 15th birthday party. Her dad said in the video, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Not realizing that almost a million people would share the post that had been placed for this 15th birthday party. They only lived in a little town called La Jolla, Mexico, in central Mexico, and now over a million shares, or just under a million shares. 1.2 million people said they were going to attend the party, the birthday party. And it was such a big deal that celebrities were commenting on it. One of the Mexican airlines offered a 30% discount to anybody going to Ruby's birthday party. It was a pretty big shindig. When it all ended up, 20,000 people celebrated the 15th birthday of Ruby. Can you believe that? It's pretty crazy. All these people were coming to the party. You could say that the party went viral. Amen? It went viral. It did. And you know, one of Jesus' favorite descriptions of the kingdom of God is a party. And Jesus wants the party of the kingdom to be one that goes viral. He wants everyone to be invited to the party. He wants everyone to know about the great party of the kingdom of God. You know what? When you know Christ, it is a party because you have joy, you have peace, you have hope, you have strength, you have purpose in your life, and it's a party. And Jesus used this metaphor of the party to describe what it means to know him and to have eternal life. I want you to turn with me to the 14th chapter of the book of Luke because Jesus talks about a party. In fact, many of Jesus' most profound miracles and teachings occurred in the context of a party. It was at a, a wedding at Cana of Galilee in John chapter 2 that Jesus turned the water into wine at that wedding festival. Uh, we know in Revelation 19, there's the wedding supper of the Lamb that is to come to commemorate the second coming of Jesus. It will be celebrated with a feast, with a festival. And in uh, Mark chapter 2, a man named Matthew follows Jesus and he throws a party and he invites all of his pagan friends to come and meet Jesus. And Jesus is there with all of the shadiest people in the community <laughs> having a party. Jesus' most famous parable dealt with a party. The prodigal son. He's away. He comes home. The father kills the fatted calf and has a party. And there's a celebration. You really can't understand the Gospels. You can't understand the person of Jesus if you don't understand that following Christ is a party. And it's with that in mind that Jesus begins to teach in Luke chapter 14. Jesus is at the home of a, a Pharisee. Uh, the Pharisees were the, the, the very legalistic keepers of Judaism. They hated Jesus. 
They despised Jesus. They were the keepers of the religious order. They were the cynics. They were the lawgivers. They were the critics, the, the investigators of Jesus. They were constantly trying to find some dirt on Jesus. And so they invite Jesus to a feast at one Pharisee's house. And they also invite a man who is sick. And they're gathered on the Sabbath day. And it's against the Pharisaical tradition to heal on the Sabbath day. And what does Jesus do? This man is hurting and he's suffering. And for crying out loud, Jesus heals him. So they're like, oh, we got you, Jesus. We got you. They quickly send the guy away because it really wasn't about taking care of this guy. It, it, it was about tricking Jesus, finding fault with Jesus. And Jesus oftentimes would teach with a parable. A parable is a little bitty story that has a big, huge spiritual point to it. Jesus would just make up stories to, to make spiritual points. And so to, to interact with his critics and with the Pharisees, he tells a story. Look at this in Luke 14. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers and your sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. And although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Verse 15, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent the servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant came back and he reported this to the master. And then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. And then the master told his servant, go out into the roads, into the country lanes, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Jesus talks about three things in this great story. He, he talks about an invitation, an invitation, uh, he talks about an expectation and he talks about a celebration. But I want us to see this story from a new perspective because God wants us to move to a new level in our bringing people to the party. God has given us a great opportunity to invite people to this fantastic, fantastic party. There's an invitation. There's an invitation. Look at it. And the invitation is we should invite as many people as possible. And most of the time, invitation takes place in the context 
of relationship. It's the people that God puts in your life. It's the people you work with. It's the people that are your closest associates. It's the people that live in your neighborhood or your apartment complex. It's the people that, that you do life with that, that many times provide the greatest opportunity to bring to the party. Invitation. God wants us to be about inviting. Inviting as many people as possible. Now, we should invite people, I think, to the party that we don't know. And I do that on occasion. But I think the, the, the greatest power comes from the people that we do know and we do have relationship with. Uh, I was, uh, when I was a university student, I went to a debate. It was hosted by Campus Crusade for Christ and the Atheist Agnostic Society. And they rented out one of the big lecture halls at the university. I think there was like 500 college students that were there. And the Campus Crusade for Christ kids argued for the Christian faith. And the atheist agnostic kids argued for the atheistic beliefs and whatever it may be. And then at the end, they had everybody fill out a card. And the card asked, like, when you came today, did you think of yourself as more of a Christian or more of an atheist agnostic? And then it asked a second question after hearing the debate, did you change your position on anything? And if so, which way did you change? And the result was everybody pretty much believed the same thing that they believed when they got there. I mean, you know, if you were an atheist, you stayed an atheist. If you're a Christian, you still believed in Jesus and there was no movement. Now it's great to talk about facts. It's great to talk about truths. It's great, great to study the apologetics of the Christian faith. I'm for all of that. But I have also found that most of the time that life change happens in the context of relationships. Most of the time, it's a friend invites a friend. A family member invites a family member. Um, a neighbor invites a neighbor. That's how people are invited to the party most of the time. And Jesus challenges his hearers to bring people to the party. I mean, look at this in verse 12. He says, uh, he said to the host, when you give a luncheon for the dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and your sisters and your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. Uh, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. In other words, don't just look for people that are just like you. Don't just focus on the folks that think and believe everything that you think and believe. Don't, don't just do what is comfortable. The Pharisees wanted to hang with the Pharisees. They didn't want anybody else to be there. They didn't want somebody who was lame or sick or, or, or poor, if you will. They, they, they wanted to have other people that were educated and sophisticated just like them. And see, the invitation that we extend to people is to people who are even different from us. Amen? We should not be afraid of certain types of people. Uh, we should not say no for people. Have you ever thought, you know what, I'd like to talk to somebody about the Lord, and then you thought, but you know what, they look this way, or they talk this way, or they're from this place, or, or whatever it may be, and, and maybe you talked yourself out of it. Anybody today, Any, anybody? I'm talking to some Christian people today, I think a few. Yeah, totally, we've all done that. I've done that before. I still do that sometimes. Don't say no for people. Don't say, you never know. You never know. We have a little saying at our church, invite everyone you know because you never know. You just never know what God's going to do in people's lives. And uh, I never cease to be amazed. I'm shocked of the people that I invite to church that should come, quote unquote, that should be like church people. 
that don't. And I'm shocked at the people that you would think would never go to church that sometimes show up. I mean, it is so confusing. I've given up trying to predict what people are going to do. Amen. We need to just be passing out the invitations as much as possible. Now, next weekend, we're kicking off our fall teaching series, Overcomer. We're talking about being an overcomer. Many of you are facing big challenges in your life. We're going to talk about how the power of Christ can help you overcome the adversities that are before you. What a great week to bring people. And we're going to give you some invite cards at the door. They look like this. And the invite cards are not for you because I know that you know where Edge Church is. And I know that you know what time services are. But these are for you to invite people. And we're going to give these to you. And you're going to pass these out this week and invite people to come and to join the party. Because next week's going to be a party because people are going to be giving their lives to Christ. And who doesn't want to be a part of that? So, invitation. The invitation is so powerful. Let's don't say no for people. And uh, I love the language that's used. If you notice in verse 21 and verse 23, actually if you even flip back to verse 17, there's a progression. He says we should invite people to the party. We should bring people to the party. And then in verse 23, we should compel people to the party. I mean, there's a progression that's there, right? Invite, bring. If I got to go pick you up and stick you in the trunk of my car to get you there, I'm going to bring you. And then I am going to compel. I'm, I'm going to compel you. Like, I'm going to persuade you. In other words, don't take no don't take no at face value, right? I mean, when people tell me no, I hear not yet. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to come back and invite you again sometime. I've been inviting some people to the party for over a year before they have come to the party. I've been inviting some people three or four years, and I'm still in faith believing in the name of Jesus. They're one day going to show up at the party. And, uh, uh, and some people I invite, and they come the first weekend. And I mean, who, who ever knows? I mean, you, you never know. You never know. But we need to bring those folks, don't we? We need to be persuasive. We need to be compelling. To compel means to strongly urge or persuade. So, um, and God wants his house to be full. I mean, that's what he says there in the end of verse 23, that my house could be full. Do you believe that a full house honors God? Anybody? Amen? We, we've got some seats here. We need to fill the house. It honors God. The good news is too great. The party is too amazing. We need to compel people to come. And we need to do our part to do that. So to get a pack of party invitations and bring the folks next weekend for the Overcomer series. I have enjoyed inviting people from so many places. The place that I work out, um, there was a time at my gym I could hardly exercise because there were so many people that had come to church that I could not even exercise. And I loved every minute of it. It was great. It was great. Uh, neighbors, people that live next door to you, great opportunity. Great opportunity. Uh, people that play uh, on my kids' sports teams, their parents, talking to parents. That's been a great avenue, a great introduction to so many people in the community. And I think God wants to use the normal traffic patterns of your life to give you opportunity to invite people. So, don't make this complicated. Just look at your calendar. Look at your schedule. Where do you go? Where do you interact with people? Where do you live? And just let the Lord direct you and lead you in that capacity and in, in that normal 
that normal uh, decision that you make every day, uh, God has given you that pattern for a reason. And just use that. You know, let's don't make this complicated. We need a little divine determination, though, to do so, don't we? Um, uh, we want to do so so we can fill the house of God and honor him. So we ought to invite as many people as possible. But check this out. We also, uh, there's an expectation. There's an invitation, invite as many people as possible. There's an expectation not everyone will come to the party. Now, I want you to leave all motivated and jacked up today. Amen? I do. But I also want to manage expectations because I know this, that if you leave here today and you think, I'm going to bring 10 people next week and I'm going to invite 10 and 10 are going to come and it's going to be amazing and you leave here and the first person looks at you funny that you invite, I don't want you to go to the depths of despair and get totally discouraged and abort the mission. Amen? I want to manage expectation. Okay? We're motivated. We're excited. Unfortunately, not everybody is coming to the party at least next weekend. There's some folks that ain't coming. They're not going to do it. You can compel them. You can challenge them. You can pray for them. And, and maybe they just aren't coming yet. But, but don't get discouraged by that. that. That's just part of it. That's just part of the party. Not everybody will come. Okay? Now, look at this in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is the one who will eat uh, at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And if you skip down to verse 18, But they all alike began to make excuses. And the first said, I have bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm on the way out to see those. Please excuse me. And still another said, I, I got married, so I can't come. These are all excuses. Now, in the ancient world, when you had a party, you sent out a first invitation. And everybody RSVP'd. Yeah, we're coming Thursday night. We can't wait. It's going to be great. And then when you got all the preparations together, you sent the servant back to say, okay, everybody's ready. Come on. People didn't have watches. People didn't have text messaging. People didn't have social media. So, so when you got the house clean, when you got the food prepared, all right, y'all come. You don't want to have people show up an hour early at the party, right? That's kind of awkward. Have you ever had a party and people show up early? You're like, I wasn't ready for you guys. Can you wait out on the lawn? You know, that kind of thing. So here's the deal. Everybody RSVP'd for the party. But when the servant went back to round everybody up, Everybody started making excuses. Oh, we, we had this last minute thing that came up. We can't make it. We can't be there. And so they make all of these excuses. You know, human nature has not changed. It really hasn't. People have been making excuses about following the Lord for many, many years. And many times people put the business of everyday life ahead of the kingdom of God. And, and these are some pretty lame excuses. The first one, he says, is, a, is a, in the excuse about possessions. He says, I bought a field and I need to go see it. Well, most people look at the field before they buy the field. Amen? You do. And parties happened at night. So this guy was going to go look at the field that he had already purchased in the evening time, in the dark. 
I mean, you know, come on. This is, this is lame. When my little girl was in kindergarten, she used to put her he- hand on her hip and say, Dad, that is so lame, you know? All right, here's some lame excuses, okay? Possessions, possessions, lame, lame. Let's don't let our stuff take place and priority over Jesus. Possessions can be a big distraction. Sometimes people have too much stuff for their own good. So we got possess- to have possessions in check. Um, the second excuse is related to work. It's about testing this new oxen. He's like, I just bought all these oxen and I need to go test them out. Well, you're not using the oxen in the evening. You're not at dark. Um, and the same thing like buying real estate. You look at the oxen before you buy them. This is another lame excuse. Here's a third excuse. This is the best one. I just got married. Blame it on your wife. How many of you have ever been invited to something and you didn't want to go and you just blamed it on your spouse? Anybody? Can I get a witness today? Yeah, we've got a few. Oh, that's, that's like the ace of spades, right? That's the best excuse right there. See, if you don't know how to make excuses, just blame it on your spouse. I can't come. I just got married. You know, I used to have a lot of freedom when I was single, but now I'm with her. I can't do anything anymore. I mean, you just kind of hear the discussion that's going on. It's a really great excuse. Family, family, family can be a great excuse to not follow the Lord. Kids activities, excuse, excuse, excuse. Let's don't let excuses get in the way of what God wants to do. And as we talk to people who have these exact same excuses, work, family, possessions, let's challenge people a bit. Amen. Let's challenge ourselves a little bit today. Let's challenge ourselves. These are, these are lame excuses. People make lame excuses all the time. I invited somebody to the party the other day and they said, well, we have to go to brunch. And I said, you know, there's actually a place that has brunch till 3 p.m. And we actually have an early service. I mean, you know, come on. It's called the 930 service. All right. Come on now. Come on. Somebody else said, well, I don't want to go to church because there's so many hypocrites there. And I'm like, we have room for one more. We do. I mean, is everybody a little hypocritical at some point? I hope we're not like overly hypocritical, but, but we're all a little hypocritical. I mean, come on, let's just be honest, right? So we got room for you. Come on, brother. That's not an excuse. Um, I'm against organized religion. I'm like, you ought to see our church. I mean, come on. This place, this is, this place is disorganized religion. This is not organized religion. Um, Ten years ago, I went to church and somebody gave me a dirty look. That's my favorite excuse, you know. Well, you know, one time I got bad service at a restaurant and I didn't stop eating out. I disagreed with a call that the referee made against our team in basketball last winter. But guess what? We didn't stop playing basketball. I disagreed with some of the things that one of my kids' teachers did like three or four years ago, but we didn't quit going to school. Let's don't let those excuses get out of hand 
and miss the party. See, I'm convinced of this. People are not coming to the party as they should because they don't understand how great the party really is. Have you ever gone to a party and you're like, I don't know if I really want to go. And then you went and had a great time and you're like, I can't believe I was thinking about not going. You just didn't know how great it was going to be. That's the kingdom of God. That's worshiping Christ. That's being in the house of God. That's being, that's being involved in the local church. That's having eternal life in your spirit and in your heart. It's a greater party than probably you even realize that it is. So let's don't succumb to lame excuses. Um, this January, I'll be celebrating 25 years in the ministry. It's, it's been a great two and a half decades, 25 years. Yeah, thank you. 25 years. And I'll tell you, I, I am more addicted to bringing people to church than I ever have been before. And not that I wasn't before, but I'm more addicted because to me, the joy of celebration is greater than the pain of rejection. Yeah, it, it hurts me a little bit when people go, no, that's not for me, you know. But it's the joy of the celebration that keeps me going. And when I have three or four people say, no, thank you, but then I see one person say, yes to Christ, the joy is greater than the disappointment. And that's why I'm so hooked. And Jesus described the party as a place of celebration. Look at it there in verse 15. This is what this man said to Jesus. Jesus agreed with this guy. When one of those was at the table with him, heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus pats him on the back and is like, you're exactly right. Let me tell you this story. Isn't that beautiful? Now in the ancient world, a feast was a really big deal. People didn't eat meat. People didn't have the food and the rat. We throw away more food than most people in the ancient world ever thought about eating. Most people ate meat one or two times a week. So a feast was a big deal. The kingdom of God is a big deal. Jesus is a big deal. Knowing Christ, big deal. Very big deal. Uh, last week, I, I, I shared this in our offering comments. We had a lady that was uh, a new believer. She was getting baptized. And so she took these invite cards and she invited her whole office to come. And the lady that she thought was the least likely to come was the atheist. She had one lady in the office that was atheist. And the atheist said, I can't come to your church because the church would burn down if I came. You know? Like, basically, she was trying to get off the hook. She was like, y'all don't want me, you know, to come to your church. It would be bad. She said, no, come to our church. The lady came, saw the baptism, came to the worship experience. Guess what? She joined the party. She committed her life to Christ the first Sunday. Are you kidding me? And it all started with a powerful invitation. And with the invitation, there came a celebration. A celebration. George Barna is a Christian pollster. He says that 73% of adults that don't go to church have never even been invited to a church. If that's true, that's sad, guys. That's like three-fourths of our community that's never even been invited to church. 
I mean, we can do better than that, can we not? If somebody chooses to not come to the party, that's on them. That's their decision. But we ought to at least extend the invitation. When I invite people that are really unchurched, it's amazing how much they think that they're not invited. And that's weird sitting in, from my perspective as a pastor where I want everybody to come to our church. But most people don't look at it that way. Most people are like, I don't feel good enough. I'm not qualified. I'll stand out. I'm not wanted. They don't have a place for me. That really comes out of never having gone to church mostly. But that's the mentality. So we have to extend the invitation because if we don't bring an invitation, there will never be a celebration. Yeah. Look at this in Luke 15, 7. This is the, one of the great parables there that Jesus told about this same concept. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. There's a celebration. There's a celebration in heaven every time somebody follows Christ. And our goal is that the gospel, that the invitation would go viral. Can you just imagine that? I mean, what if coming to the party was as viral as Ruby's birthday party? Can you believe it? How awesome would that be? How amazing would that be? And God has given us the great privilege and the great opportunity to bring people to him. Um, a few years ago, we were starting our church and we've been reflecting on our beginnings a lot because our 10-year anniversary is coming up on September 29th, which I hope you're going to be here for that. But we've been thinking a lot about our roots and our past. And, you know, when you hit milestones, you kind of think back, like, how did I get here? And what are we doing? And, you know, you ask some of those questions. And we have an anniversary coming up, so we've been asking those questions. Well, back in the day, we had a church that met in our house, and then the elementary school, and then the middle school, and then we leased this property, and then we purchased this property. But way back in the day, we weren't meeting here. And I used to office over at Barnes & Noble at the Southlands Mall. They had free Wi-Fi. They had drinks. It was close to my house. It was a great spot. So I officed there. So I made friends with all the little baristas and the employees at Barnes & Noble. I mean, I, I knew everybody there because I was there all the time. And I invited the manager of the cafe. Her name was Marianne. I said, Marianne, I want you to come to church and she said, I, I don't think I'm going to come to your church. And I said, well, why not? She said, because I'm a witch. I cast spells on people. I practice the occult. And she listed off all the stuff she was into. And I was like, wow, okay. And I said, well, you're still invited. Okay. I think she thought I was going to freak out, you know, and maybe I was on the inside, but I, I didn't on the outside. And I still smiled and I was like, we would love for you to come. And I'm sitting there going, man, I don't even know what I would do with the witch at church. But, but I'm like, come on. We'll take you. Come on, you never know. Well, a few months later, she shows up at church with her husband. I literally, I almost needed CPR. Like, I needed the safety team to help me out, man, because I, you know, like, you invite people and you pray for people, but then sometimes when it happens, you're like, what just happened? You know, and I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, what am I preaching on? I'm, I'm trying to stay, you know, focused on my message and, all that. I think I gave two altar calls that, that Sunday morning. And um, 
you know, she said, we had a nice time and we want to come back. And I was like, come on. They start coming every week. They come more than you guys come. They were here every Sunday. They were like members, man, every weekend. Well, after coming to church for about a year, I got a phone call one afternoon from the husband. And he said, Pastor, Marianne has left. She doesn't, she, she's run off and I don't know what to do. And I said, all right, let's get together. So we met and this guy committed his life to Christ. The husband did and stayed super active in the church, even though the marriage disintegrated. Even more incredible, a short time after that, he decided to move back to the Northeast where he was from. And he married a Christian lady. This is a few years later, married a Christian lady. And he called me a week, uh, excuse me, a year after he had been in his uh, new home in the Northeast. And he said, Pastor, I got to tell you, thank you for leading me to Christ. I married a Christian lady. We go to church every Sunday. We're super active in the church. We participate. He said, I'm a tither. I mean, I thought, isn't that great? And, uh, and, he, and he said, we, we serve. We're in Bible study. I mean, he just listed off. He's like, thank you so much. And you know what? It all started with an invitation to a witch. You never know what God is going to do. And when we pass out the invitation and, and we don't get discouraged when people say, no, thank you, and we stay focused on what we're doing, then there's a great celebration. There's a great celebration because people are giving their lives to Christ. So I got to ask you today, who are you bringing to the party? Who are you bringing to the party? Are you expecting God to do great things? Let's bow together for a word of prayer.